What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. segment and I, I wasn't able to have this guy on the pod for the last couple months because he was busy uh, working for an NBA team like I told y'all he would be if you didn't listen that's your own problem um, but he's back with us for what I'm sure will only be a short period of time before some other team scoops him up um, and that is Spencer Perlman Spencer uh, what's going on man nothing much how's it going happy draft day it's I it, it always bummed me out when the Knicks had traded their pick um, before draft day, but not not as much because, well, I mean, part of it obviously was like I was rooting for a franchise that traded away picks like fucking candy. But it was also just like I couldn't enjoy the draft as much because the draft is like, I don't know, to me, it's arguably one of the more fun sporting events of the year, right? I mean, this is my peak. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Like I, I love the finals. I love you know the playoffs and everything, and they're always entertaining. But it's like a giant culmination of a year's work. Just like it, it, it's yeah, it's the peak. I mean, I love it. And um, I think this is as we were talking about a second ago. People will hear this after the the draft is over and the Knicks <laughs> make their pick picks. I should say. Don't forget about fifty five. Um, but I, I think it's still relevant just to to ask you do like scouts um like typical scouts how long well how how long have you been like keeping an eye on these kids in this particular draft class for um so i mean the older guys like the sophomores juniors and seniors those guys have obviously been people who have been paying attention to for at least you know one year um just because sophomores would have been freshmen and whatnot but i usually start scouting the following year the summer before they start the summer before they enter the draft um so like, you know, last summer is when I really started digging in on Romeo and Zion and RJ and Cam and everyone like that. Um, but I've actually been able to get started just a little bit sooner this year. Uh, nothing in depth. And I have no like set opinions yet, aside from being a big fan of Theo Maladon and Denny of Deha, um, just because I was watching a lot of European players too. Gotcha. So it's scratching the bare bones now, but okay. at, at least a year. Um, so um, I said this was going to be tricky, but we're going to try to do it anyway. Um, I, I think we're both assuming that the Knicks are going to end up with RJ Barrett tonight, or even if they don't, um, it's a discussion of him is still relevant because the Knicks, Knicks fans are going to want to like know what they missed out on. You've come on here and talked, um, about RJ many times. I think it's, it's kind of well established that you, feel like he's not you're not as high on him as others but you you 
you think he has like a cognizable floor? Is that a, a safe way to put it? Or I, I shouldn't even put words in your mouth. Like where, where are you at at this point? Sorry. Um, so I will say I'm higher on RJ now than I was two months ago. Okay. Uh, just because maybe I have been kind of underselling what he really can do. And I mean, some of the flaws that he has definitely are fixable, uh, but others just aren't. Um, What's well? But let's on, let me stop you there. What's what's one? Let's go to each of those. What's one thing you you were lower on, or maybe, or maybe didn't appreciate as much originally that he can do? And then what's a what is one flaw that you think he's not going to be able to fix? All right. Um. I mean, I guess the first one would like would would maybe be his jumper. Okay. Um, you know, I really do buy his jumper long term, and I I did. You know, even going back three months ago, I just never really bought his ability to hit off the bounce. And while I don't think he'll ever be a Westbrook, you know, pedal to the middle, um, straight ahead, like stop and go kind of pull up jump shooter. I do like the flashes that I saw on step backs. Um, And even, you know, he had some kind of like straight line drives just pulling into jumpers that I think I think there's something to work with there. Um, although on the step backs, he has some weird stiff legged, um, like landing that he has to fix or he's going to completely screw up his knee. Um, that's encouraging. That, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but I'm higher on his jumper, I guess, overall, okay. uh, lower just, I mean, this is tough, but I just don't think his feel for the game is that great. And I think that kind of shows in his decision-making around the rim and, his defensive ability, um, you know, like constantly missing a rotation or not being where he should be, or even like simple things like dying on screens when he's six, seven, 215 pounds, who literally bullies guys and dislodges them as yeah. he heads to the rim. Like that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah. so, uh, Jonathan Wasserman came on, uh, when we, you know, a few, I think it was about a month ago and we talked after that and he, he said something interesting to me. The, the most interesting thing that he said, which was that his he would be cool with with RJ playing alongside better players, but he was really really worried about like him being let loose on a crappy team. Um, do you? Because now at this point, I think if you had to put, I don't know, if we were putting odds on the Knicks summer right now, I'd say like. The, I, I don't know, is the most likely scenario that they end up getting, you know, getting nobody in terms of like stars. Uh, maybe there's like a 50-50 chance they get Durant, a 40% chance. I don't know. Something in that neighborhood, maybe, maybe less. Um, maybe I'm underselling it. But like either way, it sounds like the only guy that they might get next year who's going to be a really good player is is Kawhi Leonard. And I don't know what you'd put the chances on that at like whatever not a huge percent chance so my point is there's going to be a very good chance that rj barrett is in exactly the type of situation that wasserman warned about when i talked to him a month ago do you is that a legitimate fear for you as well well uh two one thing really quickly i actually texted um Ian Begley last month, or he texted me, or, and I said, it's funny how the Knicks went from dreaming of Zion, <laughs> Durant, and Kyrie to now potentially missing out on all three. And Oh, it's on the table, baby. <laughs> um, it's depressing to think about, but... A little bit. Yeah, I, I do agree. Like I think he'll definitely play better 
I think the first of all, the spacing is going to help. I I truly believe that. Even if the finishing might not ever get to an elite level, I think having more space will help. Okay. Um, playing next to other guys who will be able to lessen his burden a bit, and he'll be able to focus more and catch his shoots, and um, you know, attacking off of swings and things like that. That's definitely going to help. Uh, but I also kind of do think that him being the guy, if he has a coach, I mean, if Fizdale is actually willing to pull him in and rein him in a bit when he goes a little crazy i think it could be good for his development okay uh you just don't really want to give him free reign and have no consequences otherwise he'll never learn and um yeah yeah, yeah no I mean, and like, i think i think those are some of the accusations that people had of fizz with knox last year but i wonder if um you know because knox was never drafted to be like even a secondary um ball hander it, it was just it was it's a skill that obviously they, they hope to work up but I'm wondering if maybe because the the ultimate end goal for those two guys is, is a little different maybe um I don't know maybe they'll be coached a little bit differently yeah I mean that would be that'd be good like Knox is <laughs> he's definitely more passive and RJ like he, he's a competitor like he's if I want if the draft were basically greater than how much someone wants to win I think he'd be the first guy like i think he'd be ranked number one like his drive is ridiculous um so that's good and that's that is something that was questioned about knox so it, it might be nice to have someone um <laughs> on the team uh with this year's first round pick that that has that um although i so so i think made up for a little a little bit of that uh that knox was was missing last year um okay so then let's well here i don't want to spend too much time talking about RJ because I think I actually I, I'm going to go back on something I said to you just before we came on and started recording. I actually do think that there's a legitimate chance that as we as I put this podcast out um, tomorrow morning, Knicks fans will be listening to this and they will be hearing you um, say encouraging things about a guy that is not on the team because I I buy the Pelicans having a real impetus to make a deal for for number two because mm-hmm. just hear, hear me hear me out for a second because you uh you know you want to obviously work for an nba team full-time at some point so obviously you spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff if the ultimate goal is to guarantee that what happened to anthony davis does not happen with zion williamson and zion is like totally happy and fulfilled and the whole the whole thing in new orleans then isn't there an extra incentive to give up what it would take to move up from four to two? And then on the on the flip side of that coin, if you're Memphis, like, are, are, I don't see, like, to me, like Garland and Morant, it's like they both have flaws. They both have pluses. They're, they're different flaws and different pluses. But, like, do you really care that much whether or not you're getting one um, or the other? So to me, it's like if there was ever a time where a four for two trade was was ripe to happen. Um, and plus, not to mention the fact that the Pelicans are almost like er- overburdened with all of these assets in that from the Laker trade, which I'm not going to call ridiculous because, you know, they could win a championship this year for all we know. But um, although the stuff that came out about Polinka apparently not knowing 
like the rules. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That's just that's you can't write the stuff. Anyway, we're going yeah. we're we're getting off topic. So, what do you what do you think of that? Do you think that that's a legitimate possibility? Would you do it if you're the Pelicans? Would you do it if you're the um, the Grizzlies? Like, where, where do you fall? Um. So I guess if I'm the Grizzlies, like you know, obviously I would ask for number four, and then I'd ask for a future first round pick. One of the um, one of those Lakers picks, I'm guessing, or maybe a protected Pels pick. Like, I don't know something. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Pick. Yeah, protect. Like, I mean, I would get creative with it. Just see if I get maybe the Pelicans pick either next year or the year after, and if not, then one of the later on Lakers picks. Okay. Um, but if it's a later Lakers pick, I'd want like a second round pick in this year's draft or next year's draft, but. Like if I'm Memphis, you know, Ja, he's good. I, I think he'll be a starting point guard. Um, not sure for ever reach star level. He'll probably make an All Star game once or twice. But I mean, everyone knows that just because you're an All Star doesn't mean you're an All Star player. Um, I want to say three three time All Star Stephon Marbury, four time maybe one of <laughs> one of those two. And and Marbury had some good <laughs> years, but like you could argue that like that was a guy that maybe never really contributed. Uh, all that much to to winning basketball games. As, as an example, I don't mean to pick on on Steph. We love you, Steph. Yeah. Um, anyway, continue with what you were saying. Yeah, and then Garland. I mean, I'm obviously a huge fan of Garland. Vanderbilt bias aside, I think he's fantastic. I think he need he's everything that you need in the modern day point guard with his ability to shoot. I think he's a good passer. Even though people look at the assist to turnover ratio instead of actually watching the games and seeing how many missed shots like everyone had off of his nice setups. That bothered me. But, um, I mean, I don't really think there's a difference between those two guys and then waiting next year to get a point guard. Um, I think guys like Anthony Edwards, I think Cole Anthony, Nico Mannion, those guys are, and Theo Maladon, those are all guys who would be in discussion for that top point guard pick this year. Um, and those are all guys projected to uh, declare Go next lottery year. next year. Yeah, I mean, they're all going to be in the draft next year. So that's kind of how I would look at it. Like, what, if you like, Ja or Garland, do you take him if I'm Memphis? If you don't, and if you like the idea, but you're not sold on him as a player, I'd wait a year. Um, and then from New Orleans' perspective, I mean, you need to keep the guys together. Like, you need to give Zion every reason to stay in New Orleans. Um, and obviously, he'll have his rights for four years and then probably another four years beyond that. But, I mean, he'll still be in his peak. He'll be like 28 at that point or 27. Um, and having him be excited about staying in New Orleans, in New Orleans until he's 30, 31, that'll be key. So I do think it would be smart for them to go up um, and potentially trade for RJ, especially because like the fit, those two guys next to Drew Holiday, that's that's a fun team. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's no, a legit team with guys you can switch. Um, and I mean, I enjoy watching them on League Pass. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if it does happen, it happens. Like the Knicks will deal with it, and I actually think the Knicks could possibly get in on, on the trade and say, you know, we'll ask for slightly less than Memphis. Um, so that's what I us, no, like I, Ingram or Ball or someone. That's what I was thinking because if here's how I see this going, right? Is Memphis. Memphis and New Orleans work out some tentative structure for a trade in which New Orleans gives up asset X. And then New Orleans or, uh, yeah, New Orleans calls up, um, you know, New York and says, all right, we're, this is the trade we're going to do. We're going to take RJ. Um, you know, we're giving up a- this asset. 
Um, if you, you know, and then I, at that point, what, what would happen? Then New York would, would trade down to, from three to four. So Memphis would get their pick between the two point guards, I guess is how we're thinking about this. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting. I, I think I'll, I, I wonder what that asset would be. I think it's. Um, I think it's interesting that you mentioned Ball because I don't know Alonzo Ball, Darius Garland um, backcourt is actually kind of interesting to me. I don't know. Is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I Lonzo is. I've seen people say he's point Draymond and that he does things that go beyond the box score, and I fully agree with the idea that he does things that go beyond the box score. Just Draymond is such a special player. Yeah. Um, but you know, it comes down to can Lonzo Ball a hit a jump shot and b b stay healthy. If he can't, he's not as useful. But if he is able to, then those two guys playing together is is really nice. And then you know, even Lonzo and Jared Culver that also really works. So that's the other that's the other one that I'm that I'm thinking of because for me, I I mean we've talked enough times that you know I I'm all about just asset maximization um, in, in this in this sport and in building your teams. And to me, if you could get a pick from a team, from an organization that is run, um, I don't want to say run poorly, but that doesn't maybe, because <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, that doesn't necessarily have the best track record in terms of how they operate. Um, that, and, and a pick that, you know, like I, that could become unprotected like that could be a real good asset and I noticed Cleveland is sitting at five and and the Suns are sitting at um, six and even if you want to maybe throw the Bulls in there although I think they probably are going to be heading in the right direction at some point assuming they can get a point guard eventually but that all ties into this so whatever you have other teams in the draft lottery unsurprisingly that are you know bad and that may be bad for a little while depending on on some things. And I just, I would be really curious if they could pick up a a future pick that could potentially become unprotected in either 2021 when, um, I mean, you would know better than me, but I think that 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 class is supposed to be pretty good. And then 2022, which is the, you know, the double draft that we're anticipating. Yeah, I mean, I'd want the double draft one because you'll literally have like, I mean, it's going to be twice as many five-star players. (laughs) It's going to be loaded. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking, and I have a feeling if the Knicks ever made such a trade, there would be people rioting outside the garden, and it's just like, you know, and and then whatever. So that's you're you're bringing up Culver, um, maybe think of that. Where do you? I, I love that we're make, we're talking about something that is going to have happened by the time we we uh, put this up. This is hysterical. Where do you, what do you think is the lowest that Culver goes tonight? Uh... I'll say eight. Eight? Okay. That's yeah, okay. I mean, I, I can see a scenario where, like, you know, Zion, Ja, RJ, Darius, Kobe, Cam. And then uh, what's his uh, Hunter. Yeah, I mean, I can see all those guys going ahead in some weird, you know, reality. But I, I don't think it's totally likely. But, I mean, it, there's no way he'd fall past Atlanta at eight. Okay. Um. All right, so let, real quick before we before we get out of here, I I am one more thing about Garland. I 
if his shooting is real and we there like we have questions about a lot of these guys in a lot of different areas is there any reason to question Garland's shooting no okay yeah so <laughs> he's, so. yeah no so his shooting is real we uh, I, okay like people as you said some people have questions about his um the passing but you know that's also something that kind of gets better and like you know the way the NBA is today it's like even if you know, you don't necessarily like that. Do we do we really need to be thinking strictly about like this is a point guard versus this is a shooting court shooting guard as opposed to here is a backcourt of two guys who could you know both do a lot of like good things but maybe nothing elite. That's how I think of it. I don't know if that's nuts, but so he can pass enough. He can shoot. He's a, you said yourself to me you know recently he's a feisty defender. He knows how to defend off ball. He's still like slight and needs to gain weight and all that stuff. But like, I where's the where is the way that he fails? Like, what happens where he's a he's like not a really 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 helpful piece to an NBA team for a long time? I mean, if the meniscus injury zapped his athleticism, I mean that's probably the only only thing that i could see that would hamper his where was his athleticism could you give like some semblance of a comp as to his athleticism before the injury um so he didn't really have much vertical like pop in the paint and stuff like that but his side to side athleticism his like east west movement stuff like that that was among the quickest i've like seen in recent in recent years like he is he's quick he is shifty he is in tight spaces he I mean, he's a blur. Okay. Um, so yeah. you're saying that that if that dissipates a little bit, maybe he's not able to get his shot off um, at quite as easily, you know, on his own um, out on the perimeter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and then the the last thing, and again, we're probably talking about someone who um, is going to be a grizzly by the time people listen to this. But I'm curious anyway. Um, I, based on conversations I've had with you, based on things that I've read. You know, just like watching, obviously, film of him. I feel like Ja is there's the um, the largest discrepancy in in the entire draft between his ceiling and his floor is is like Ja Morant. Is that do you think that's accurate, or am I off base with that? I think Cam might have that. Oh, I forgot about. See, I don't even think of Cam's ceiling anymore because I feel like we what so we saw there. last year. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say Cam, but I get what you're saying, and I mean, if well, by if that Josh, by that logic, though, like Cam could be like a seven time All Star if he actually makes good on yeah. all of his skills. Okay, um, yeah. but we're not we're not we're not betting on that. Okay, so right. back to so back to job. But you think there is a pretty big gap there? Yeah, but I think even if he you know doesn't hit anywhere near his full potential, I think he's still probably a starter on. I mean, not a playoff team, I'd assume, but. You know, I think he's a starting point guard, and something should be said for that. And I think he's an engine, also. Okay. Uh, but I mean, if he if he hits his peak, he's he's a very scary player. But you know, for that to happen, he has to develop that jumper way more, and it has to be beyond catch and shoots. Because look at the top point guards in basketball, like Steph and Dame are are two, if not the top point guards in basketball. Those guys can go 100 miles an hour straight, stop and shoot. Yeah, like shooting is at a premium, and I think if Jaw really wants to hit his 
he, he, he has to develop that. I think that's, I think that's well said. Um, all right. Last, last question. If, um, if and when Frank gets traded tonight, will I cry or will I hold my tears in and let them out later in the privacy of uh, my own home? You will, you will be sad, but you will be happy that he would have been traded to the San Antonio Spurs where he can fully develop. You know, I really wish I could sit here and be like, I'm going to be totally happy to watch him, you know, put up, um, you know, 13, 8, and 7 stat lines next year uh, for, a, for a good Spurs team. Um, but I, I can't lie. I'm not, I'll be happy for him, but I'll be fucking miserable. You'll be fond of the memories we had with Frank. Yeah, all, all three of them. Uh, those Nets games were really good. I mean, I love Frank. Everyone who's listening, I'm a huge Frank believer, but those Nets games were so much fun. Oh, God. I'll, I, it's, yeah, we should stop talking about this. All right. Um, that's, that's all for you, uh, Spencer. Uh, thank you. This was fun. I watch now the, the Knicks end up with Kobe White tonight. Um, who of course we didn't talk about it. This entire thing will go in the toilet, but screw it. I'm still going to air it. It's the hundredth episode of the podcast. I can do whatever I want. Um, all right. You're the man. Uh, anything to, to plug or promote before I let you go? Um, I mean, I guess the only thing I'd want to promote is I put, I think it's 28 scouting reports up on the Stepien, and these are the same scouting reports I've sent to teams that have gotten like pretty good reviews. You know, John and the rest of Nick's film school have seen them for a little bit. Uh, they're very in depth, and I think they're definitely helpful to those who want to get a um, you know a general idea of what the player is. So definitely check those out. And aside from that. I've got nothing, but I mean, congratulations on a hundred episodes. That's, this is awesome. And thanks for having me on a bunch of them. Well, dude, you've been here for more than a few. Um, I could not have done them without you. So yeah, thanks. And, uh, here's to a crazy draft night. (laughs) Giddy up. Okay. Um, it is about seven 30. Just walked into, uh, Slattery's Midtown pub. Uh, we are about an hour uh, before draft time. <laughs> um, and there's already a bar full of Knicks fans, uh, even though everybody already knows who the Knicks are going to take, thanks to Adrian Wojnarowski reporting, um, I guess, about... Actually, no, sorry, it was Shams. Shams reported about an hour ago that the Knicks were going to be taking RJ Barrett. It's no surprise. Um, I think everybody's pretty happy about that. I'm happy about it. No reason not to be happy about it. Um, This is weird, though, because, like, the draft is supposed to be a night full of anticipation, and I feel like the anticipation is already over. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that. But on the bright side, it appears that Frank Aquino will survive the evening. We just got a report from Steve Popper saying that it doesn't look like the Knicks are going to get a deal done. So um, I'm sure that will make some people very happy. I'm sure that will make some people very upset. Um, <laughs> my, my gut feeling is that the, the people running the Knicks may may not be in the, the group that is happy, but such is life. Um, although the Knicks may also try to uh, acquire 
another pick somehow anyway, either buy into the second round or, or what have you. Anyway, that's really all I got. Checking in an hour before the draft starts. I'm going to try to have another check-in when they actually make this pick, which may sound like nothing but a lot of noise. And we'll find out how that'll record. But, you know, fuck it, we fly by the seat of our pants sometimes. Uh, Alright, I'm going to go buy a drink. So I'm going to bed. Bye. Alright. Um, John Morant just finished his interview. Wow. That's, that's not all me. Um, so, yeah, it's about a minute left. Oh, wait, no, it says the pick is in. The suspense is building. As Commissioner... I was about to say Commissioner Stern. Commissioner Silver walks to the stage. All right, here we go. officially a Nick. Looks like he's going to stay a Nick uh, for a little while. Let's hope maybe the next 15 years or so. And that will be the end of the yelling and screaming portion of the podcast. We hope. RJ Barrett here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was good. That was Um, good. You know what? I just realized I don't have my headphones. I, I need that because it's going to come through the sound. All right, hold on one second. I, I forgot to grab. I got my mic. Hold on. Okay. JB doesn't know, but I'm going to leave this in the podcast because it's 11.22 in the morning, and it's been a long day, and I'm too tired to edit it out. Um, and I think it's kind of funny, too. So, yeah. JV? Yes, I'm here. Oh, you are here. Did you hear any of that? Uh, no, because I went upstairs. <laughs> okay. That's, that's probably for the best. Um, so, uh, for those listening um, that don't know, um, can, can we tell them that you had to sit this one out tonight? Is that allowed? <laughs> well, I think people saw that or didn't see me, so they knew that, right? I don't know. Um, it was pretty. I don't want to say it was hectic at the bar, but it was. Um, it was there was a lot of energy. Um, people, you know, it's a lot of people there. Um, so yeah, you're you're closing on your house on Monday, so you you had some some packing to do and um, some children to comfort, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. No. That was it. I was planning on coming to the point of, you know, walking out the door. And then it was, uh, 
yeah, well, what is, we're moving on Saturday. So like literally half the house is packed and it should be more than half the house at this point. But <laughs> do, you know, need to, help. do you need me to drive up to uh, Connecticut? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't help when you're looking down at your phone every two seconds to see, you know, who are the Knicks working out? Is Frank going to get traded? All right, now I'll pack a box. Um, well, now we know the answers but, to those questions are it doesn't matter and uh, no, apparently. Anyway. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, so it, it just made sense for me to stay home. My daughter's six. Uh, well, I got two of them, but my six-year-old, I think she's feeling the change a little bit. So it's like, all right, I'll I'll be a good dad and, and stay home. But I was still sitting here tweeting the whole night, but I guess I felt less guilty about it because I was like, well, I at least was home like here in spirit. <laughs> no, you you were, the, you were there in, in personage, um, which, which matters a lot. Um, you were at the bar in spirit, really. I think is is what the what would be more accurate to say. Uh, yeah, so tell me about the turnout there. It was great, man. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, so full disclosure, I I don't I don't know where I think I saw this, but I I had it under the impression, or I was under the impression that the draft started at eight thirty, and I arrived at like a quarter after seven. But I thought that I was an hour and 15 minutes early. And right. so I recorded a little thing for this pod outside on the porch at Slattery's. And then I walked in, and the Pelicans were on the clock. And I'm like, oh, I guess the draft starts at 7.30. That that shows just how crazy this week has been, maybe, more than anything else. Um, no, what it is is I, I actually think a lot of people had that issue. And even with me, when, when they started making picks, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait. like, I think we're so programmed that there's like 10,000 pre-shows and pre-pre-shows. And then even when the real show starts, it's like not till 15 minutes later they do anything. Yeah, exactly. That, the fact that tonight it was literally like prompt, like 730, we're going. And and yet, and yet it is, as I say this. 11.26 p.m., and we are not in the picks um, that start with the number four yet. We're still in the in the 30s, I guess? Um, yeah, 35. Yeah, 35, and we should say the Knicks have not yet bought into the early second round. Um, Frank Milokina, as we said, is still a Nick. Bol Bol is not a member of the Knicks or any other NBA team, I think, at the moment. Which I guess does that count as a hot rumor? <laughs> it counts as something. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, there was, and I had never heard of the person. Uh, I think it was from CBS Sports. Yes, that's it. Right. Who came out and said earlier tonight? Oh, the Knicks are trying to trade up to get him. I mean, yeah. What if this is a situation where? I mean, it's hard to imagine he could drop to fifty-five. Obviously, but like you know, if he starts dropping into the forties here, then the price to acquire that pick. Uh, you know, it becomes realistic, you would think, for the Knicks if they really like him. You know what this reminds me of? Um, God, I don't know. I still don't really know how to pronounce his name. Um, Maje Lampe? Was that it? Yeah, that, that sounds good. That Better sounds okay. I would try to do. And <laughs> that was... I'm, I'm, I want to say that was this... Was that the Mike Sweetney, like the LeBron draft, or was that maybe the year after or the before? But whatever... He was supposed to go and like he was like yeah, mocked no, he, at like five, right. and then he fell to us right. at thirty something. And I thought we had like you know we were going to win multiple championships, and the guy probably I, I think gave or played in the NBA. 
I was going to say, yeah, like there hasn't, like we've actually been kind of spoiled like the last several years here. Like it went from, you know, the Knicks obviously never having a, their first round picket scene. They'd always trade it or never having someone you got, you know, truly excited about to like, we've had several years in a row where we're actually talking about the Knicks in the lottery. But I felt like he was in that, you know, what was it like? 2004 ish it was in uh, that range yeah it was in that range yeah around there yeah i guess maybe it was the lebron draft right 2003 but the point is those in that time where we just weren't used to getting excited about a draft pick of any magnitude and that was partly because we were coming off the 90s where you know they didn't have them because they were good too (laughs) but um yeah but yeah, so maybe the you're thinking the same type. Well, hopefully a better ending, obviously. If um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and it with him. Um, yeah. Well, so I'll. I guess we'll. I don't know. Maybe I'll pop in with a recording of of because uh, we're not making it to the 55th pick because I'm <laughs> I'm exhausted as I'm sure you are. I I just wanted to get you on here for for two reasons. One, um, because this. And I have no idea if this is going to work, by the way. I recorded two things from the bar that I, for all I know, it could be incoherent noise. But I'm going to try to splice it together to make it part of this podcast. So that'll be fun. But anyway, this is the 100th episode. So obviously, you know, you have to be part of it. But two, um, I, you're the only person I consider as as good as me at, with a very particular skill of kind of um, feeling the emotions of the the greater fan base at the moment is you. And I guess what struck me tonight as I was thinking about it on the way home is that um, I hadn't, I guess I, this is going to sound really weird. I hadn't realized what a, big a deal this was for Knicks fans, um, getting this guy, getting RJ Barrett until I was there and like in the moment tonight and like seeing, you know, Twitter and like all this, all this other stuff, I guess, I don't know. I'm so, maybe it's cause I'm like so inundated and like we're in this process and this is like part of the process and now it's on to the next step of the process. But I feel like people really are like in on like, this is a moment, like this is a major like we're going to look back on 30 years or in 30 years or whatever and like remember this type of moment. Do you do you get the same sense? Yeah, I mean, it is funny cuz like you said for us now being sort of part of the day minute by minute second by second process of everything with the Knicks, you kind of um worry fall a little bit into the bubble of okay, are you know are we just reacting to kind of a combination of what you see on social media, what you read in the papers, and it's not the broad feeling of fans everywhere? And I actually think, yeah, I I couldn't decide tonight if it was more Knicks fans coming together. Just one thing I think all Knicks fans feel right now is they're sick and tired of being the butt of every joke. That, and that is 100% true. Right. And I mean, obviously, there's a reason why, you know, they've been there that, and, you know, Knicks fans themselves have led the charge in making a lot of those jokes for a while. But I think <laughs> recently, the feeling is, no, now it's just picking fun because, you know, people like to pick fun. So I couldn't decide if tonight was also partly a reaction to, we're tired of crying Knicks kid, we're tired of 
Bakuin, <laughs> little things that like just are taken out of context. We're just all going to really rally behind this kid. And he's obviously a top player. And even if you don't know a lot about the prospects, I think everyone has read that, you know, if you're in the top three, that was a, a separate tier. Obviously, Zion's on his own tier. But yeah, I, I think it's a combination of it's a number three overall pick. They haven't had that since Patrick Ewing. So it's a high God, pick. So that you get excited about. But also, I think the fans are just in this sort of overall <laughs> mood of wanting to, you know, feel positive and it's okay. Maybe that's the other thing as I'm kind of thinking out loud, feeling positive, but in a way that it's actually justifiable to feel positive. It's not coming up with reasons why a 17 win team is still has signs of excitement. It's literally like, no, we're excited because they got RJ Barrett and RJ Barrett is also really, really good. Can I, can I jump on that really for a very quick second? And, and I had, I had Spencer on the um, on earlier today. That'll he'll be the, his words on R.J. Barrett will be um, part of this this podcast. And I've had him on. I think this was the fourth time. And and every time I've had him on, we've talked about R.J. Barrett. And he was clearly down on on Barrett more than most um, consistently. Every time I had him on until today. And he, you know, Spencer, he wouldn't. He doesn't give a shit what <laughs> people want to hear. He's he's going to say what he really thinks. And he was like. No, I'm I'm actually kind of higher on Barrett now, and I think, and he went into some specifics, but I think the the reality is like, I you know we don't know what this kid is going to become exactly, but there's like a floor there with him where it's like okay, this is a like this is a guy, like this is a real guy, and he's not going to fail. I don't know what success is going to look like for him. But I think we could be pretty sure that, like, there, like you just said, that like this is a real. He's good, and he's going to be good, and he wants to be here, and like you know, I'm sure we could. I, I haven't even watched the the full. Like, uh, I'm assuming Perry did some kind of a little press conference. Is that what happened? Yeah. Well, uh, he is on MSG 150, and then he did a conference call. Yep. Yeah, I think I heard maybe a snippet from the conference call about how, you know, they brought. Um, RJ in and he you know he kind of sold the building on him was that maybe yep. I'm getting the right that's it yep. yeah and like that's you know I mean that's Perry talk we've been hearing him do it for two years but I don't know maybe it's I, I buy it and Perry has a certain credibility when he talks about it because he's kind of followed through on on pretty much everything he said um, and I think he means this so yeah I think this is a good this is a good day this is a good night almost as we near um, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Any, um, any final, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you have to pay attention to the nets trading that 27th pick because I, I was wondering, uh, I was wondering if you're going to go there. Yeah. yeah. Cause you know me, I'm always going to get into the cap minutia, but it's like, you know, the fact they really only save a little over a million dollars when you offset the min roster charge. So the fact that, you know, they're literally counting their pennies to that degree. Um, and, you know, they did end up getting a pick back next year, which is kind of the best way to do it. If you want to open up cap space, you know, trade it forward in a way. So you, you get the pick when you when you can use it. But it just makes me think like, yeah, they're, you know, they're feeling pretty good that they have a legit shot at, you know, Durant and Kyrie, because why else would you be worried about that? 
tight of a difference, right? Which is interesting because, I mean, the last reports I saw were that now they were having doubts about even going after Kyrie because they don't think, you know, Durant is going to come with him, which is, but again, it just speaks to like, you know, anybody who wants to, you know, I'm sure there will be people tonight who will, will nitpick at the Knicks for maybe not acquiring another first round pick and, and worrying about, um, like salary when it appears that they, they may not need it now. Um, and I just keep thinking to myself, like they've worked for, over a year to to put themselves in a position and like yeah it's it's not looking as good as it was maybe um a month ago but like you know you, you never know and like the nets operating under the same 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 MO like we're, they're going to give themselves every chance and it's um i mean we're 10 days away and uh it's going to get yeah and <laughs> anything can happen but i guess the thing that's even crazy in terms of anything can happen is we're recording this now it's 11:37 I mean, last uh, draft, it was Alonzo Trier undrafted, so the Knicks got him, you know, after the draft, obviously, and Mitchell Robinson was a little earlier. I mean, we're picking 55 tonight, but the point is, little did we know that the main action, you could argue, kind of happened late, and you don't know tonight, right? Like, what, you know, what else might happen that seems maybe not so significant at the time, but, you know, becomes uh, later so, so... You know, it does seem like, though, that Frank, you know, I, I was saying on Twitter, he made his last defensive stand. He's uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> going to survive a few more weeks here, um, it, you know, because it really does seem like he might be on his way out. But um, but at least it wasn't at the draft party where I think there's a lot of Frank fans that probably showed up that yeah. that would have, you know, not been the right night for them. <laughs> I, I agree. I think it um, I think to survive one more night. Um and, and and before I let you go, I do have to tell you this. I am I am recording this right now for my daughter's bedroom because um she is in our bed, obviously, as as per the norm. But my my in laws are have stayed over tonight because they watched her while we were at the draft party. And it's too late for them to, to head back home. And I bring this up to you because I thought it was pretty appropriate that you and your lovely wife and two daughters are about to move into your in-laws' house for a period of some time. <laughs> as you're, yep, that's right. As you're finishing construction in your house, so I don't know. There's there's some type of synergy going on here, JB. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know either, but I do know that I'm hoping that you're. I guess to put a bow on it, I'm hoping. Like I said, we're moving out Saturday, so this for all intents and purposes was our last kind of real night in the house. Cause by tomorrow it would just be everything staged to put in the truck Saturday morning. So I'm hoping 30 years from now I am sitting there saying, yeah, remember it was our last night in that house when they drafted RJ Barrett and little did we know dot, dot, dot. Um, you'll be saying that to me as we, um, I was about to say, as we sit on rocking chairs on your on your porch, having a like a bourbon and a cigar, is is your new house going to have a porch of some kind? It will have a deck in the back, so okay, we can that's go back fine. there. Can, you, can we put rocking chairs back there? Is that or do we have sure? To why not? We should probably wait till we're like fifty or sixty. No, I think I think we're uh, we're the type. We're older souls. We're ready for it. <laughs> Um, before I let you go, I have to at least say that it is the 100th episode, 
And we don't get to 100 episodes without you. Relentless uh, season where they went oh, 17. Stop. And most of these games you're going on here, right? Afterwards, talking about whatever you could find to talk about. And then I think, you know, an amazing list of guests. Like if you go back and you think, um, you know, from people like Howard Beck, who you would think would be the last person I'd want to talk to. to Nick <laughs> yeah. Chris Herring. Um, um, Herring, up, Begley, Rebecca yeah. Harlow, Larry Johnson. I mean, Oof. so many people. We're not even, the fact that we could go on and list like four or five people and not even get, uh, everyone in that list um, speaks a lot to something that, you know, we just started this past fall. So I guess congrats to you really on making this all work and hopefully there's a hundred more. All right. Well, um, first there will be definitely a hundred more. Um, and I, I don't want to get all mushy, but like, you know, this is, this is your, this is all due to you, man. Um, it's all due to you. Uh, this none of this happens. Um, it goes without saying without you. So um, you know, I've been on all hundred episodes, but um, if you if you were at the bar in spirit, then you were definitely on every one of these episodes in spirit. <laughs> um, that's for that's for sure. All right, so I'm gonna. This is so I I, I have. And I'm going to say it. I don't. Even, I'm going to keep it in the episode because I just. I don't even care. I have no idea if this. If this crazy idea I had for this like piece together episode is going to work, but I'm going to try it, and we're going to see how it goes. And uh, it'll be. Uh, it'll be something. All right. Um, anything we got to plug before we go? The newsletter. Subscribe to the newsletter. We keep saying it, but there there are people out there who are not su- subscribed, and I don't know why you wouldn't subscribe because it's great and it's free and. Um, yeah. There's going to be news. There's going to be news because it's almost July. And oh, my God, from the frying pan into the fire. (sighs) All right. um, On to the 55th pick. Um, JB, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Brendan. And uh, everybody out there, thank you for tuning in to the 100th episode of the Next Film School podcast. We will uh, be back with you with another episode shortly. 101, as it were. Good evening.